0: Thank you to this episode's sponsor, Sturry. If you listen to episode 43, Finding Your Story with Dan Davis, then you have an introduction to what Sturry is all about. Sturry is Dan Davis's company, and they produce videos of people's stories. They help people find their story and their perspective moments. Sturry blows me away. If you need a place to go to feel better, go to Sturry.com and just watch some of their couple-minute videos. Check them out at Sturry.com. Welcome to I See You, a podcast where we advocate that compassion and connection save lives. They also make life pretty cool. I'm your host, Julie Lee. I see you. Welcome to I See You. This is episode 96, I Am Recovered, with Todd Sylvester. So happy to be with you man, it's a weird week. This is the day after we had that capital stuff going on. And I think we're all just kind of reeling, feeling like, what country are we living in? This is nuts. I feel so strongly that if good people keep being good, We can be happy even when the world feels chaotic, even when extremists and different groups make terrible decisions, that we can be happy here in our communities as long as we keep seeing each other, keep being compassionate, keep connecting, keep talking, right? I am excited. I've recently been developing a pilot program to bring ICU into the schools as I know students and teachers have really suffered this year as there's been so much isolation with this pandemic. I am excited to be developing this program for next year. That's kind of what's been on my mind lately. What's been on your mind? I'd love to hear from you. You guys, thank you so much for those who have supported me with my new book with ICU, How Compassion and Connection Save Lives. I have been so appreciative for the feedback I've received. You know, as a writer, you don't always know how it's received, and so it's meant so much to hear that it is impacting people in a positive way. I wanted to read just one review I saw on Amazon for my book, and this is what it said. It's from Shannon Gaffin, entitled, This book will no doubt make you a better person. Three hard emojis, five stars. I couldn't wait to receive this book. Once I received it, I cozied up in my favorite chair with my favorite cup of hot tea, with my new favorite book. This book had me at the introduction. I couldn't put it down, couldn't stop underlining, and couldn't believe the warmth I felt in my soul with each page. Julie is an amazing writer whose words help you believe deep in your soul that love and compassion is what we all need to give more of. Her writing is a reminder that we can all be the change we want to see in our world simply by seeing each other with compassion, kindness, and love. This book is a gift in so many ways. It will be this year's new favorite gift for me to give to the ones I love. Enjoy. Thank you so much, Shannon. I just, I can't, there are no words. I appreciate this so much. And thank you so much to those of you that have left reviews on Amazon. You know, that's how the book gets out there. That's kind of how how advertising works on Amazon is when books get a lot of reviews, then people see them in their search. And so every review left is truly helping me move my message of ICU on to, to bigger audiences. And so thank you. Thank you. Our guest today, I'm so excited for you to listen to our conversation. I met Todd Sylvester through a mutual friend just a few months ago, and once I met him, I couldn't believe I never knew about him. He's just so crazy cool. He's got to be one of the most humble, compassionate people I've ever met. I, I felt that the second we met, that he just exudes compassion and he sees people. I can't wait to share a conversation here. Here we go. I am so excited to have Todd Sylvester on the podcast today. Todd is a belief system master. For the last 25 years, Todd has served as a mentor and personal development coach for those looking to get more out of life, move beyond limiting beliefs and overcoming addictions. Todd is also an experienced motivational speaker and has conducted over 300 speaking engagement at businesses, seminars, schools, churches, and for youth groups. And as awesome and professional as all of that is. I just as a friend am so excited to introduce you to my listeners, Todd. Thank you for coming on the ICU podcast.
1: No, thanks for having me, Julie. I love what you're doing. I love you. I love your message and I'm just honored to, to be a part of uh, what you're doing.
0: Thank you. Yeah. So first, will you start by telling listeners a little bit about yourself?
1: Yeah. So, you know, I was like any other kid. I had uh, dreams of playing in the NBA, <laughs> like everyone yeah. else out there.
0: Heck you yeah. know,
1: As kids, you know, we have all these aspirations. And, you know, unfortunately for me, I mean, I, I did have a, a great experience with basketball, but I got caught up in the drug and alcohol scene as a young kid. My first sip of alcohol was 11 years old. That led to smoking pot every day and then doing every other drug under the sun, which led to me losing a scholarship that I had earned. And that was my goal is to get a college scholarship. And, and when that happened, I wanted to end my life. It was over because to me, basketball was everything. I was passionate about it. And I thought if I'm not going to play basketball, there's no point for me to even be alive. And so I had planned my suicide and I had something miraculous happen to me where I mean, I didn't grow up religious at all. I didn't believe in God. Um I didn't believe not in God either. I was kind of like agnostic. Just mm-hmm. I didn't we didn't talk about those things growing up and um needless to say, I overheard these two girls talking about fasting and prayer and if it wasn't for that, I wouldn't be sitting here today. I reached out when I was at the darkest <clears throat> <clears throat> sorry, the darkest time in my life. And, um, I received an answer, which I wouldn't believe it either. Had I not experienced it myself (laughs) when that happened? And there's a lot of other amazing things that have happened around there, which we, if we have time, we can get to. But when that happened, I had said to myself, I'm going to dedicate my life to helping other people, whether it's drugs or alcohol, whether it's feeling like they don't want to be alive, whether it's anxiety or depression. And, and so I ended up doing a drug-free program in elementary schools called Sly Dog Drug Free. That's me. Sly Dog was my nickname in high school, and I I had this idea of creating this mascot and this animated cartoon character to go into all these schools and share this amazing message of believing in yourself and helping other people and, you know, like you talk about, you know, having connection and compassion and how powerful that is in our lives and how necessary it is. I mean, I ended up speaking to over 250,000 kids, and to be honest, that's what kept me clean and sober for the next, you know, five years parents would come up to me and go, man, my kid loves your program so much. Would you work with them one-on-one? And I'd be like, yeah, sure. Didn't have a clue what I was going to do. I've never done that before, (laughs) but I knew I wanted to help. So I started meeting with these kids, right? Well, that was 31 years ago. I have since done over 11,000 one-on-one sessions. I've done well over 1500 speaking engagements You know, I do a podcast, I've written a few books, and I don't say this to brag by any stretch. I never thought in a billion years I would be doing any of this, but if it wasn't for someone showing compassion and love and connection towards me, I would not be sitting here. And so I really do love your message, Julie, and what you're trying to do. And hopefully my words today can really impact and influence someone who's struggling right now.
0: Just hearing that much from you makes me emotional because as we both know, I have had that same experience with people where Mm -hmm. there were people that were willing to sit with me at my absolute worst and remind me that there was light somewhere, that there was hope somehow. And that was just a, a tiny glimmer that I needed to get through another minute, another day, whatever it was, and how different yeah. my life would have been had those people not been willing to get in that uncomfortable space with me. And I'm forever grateful for that.
1: Right, sure.
0: I love what you do. And your your story is incredible. It can be found on YouTube. What is, what's the name of the video on YouTube?
1: There's a few videos, actually. There's one, uh, the Leonardo event that I spoke at, but probably the one that's most famous, especially here in Utah, is called The Hope of God's Light. It went viral. It's got over five million views in three different languages, and Good. it's 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 kind of crazy, but uh, but yeah, there's a few other you know videos out there on my story as well.
0: Very neat. So now, as an addiction counselor, as a coach, talk to me about what role having compassion on your clients, seeing them, connecting with them, what role is that playing in your life now? and how does it how has it helped in your recovery, and now you consider yourself to be recovered?
1: Yeah, I love that. Great question. You know, a good friend of mine, Simon Sinek said this, he says, if you master the first 11 steps of AA, you will drink again. If you master step 12, you'll never touch another drop. And step 12 is giving back and helping someone else. And we don't typically like to help other people unless we have compassion for them. I'm very fortunate that I went through hell and back because I can relate with my clients. When I have a client sitting in front of me thinking, you know what, I'd rather be dead. Um, I don't know how I'm going to make it through this. I have compassion for them. Why? Because I've been through it. I, you know, you can add empathy in there. and know what it feels like. And probably most of the listeners on some level that are listening to this right now have felt that way where we feel so down that there's these thoughts of, I'm, I just would rather not be here. And yeah. that's kind of a scary place to be. Compassion to me um, has truly made me good at what I do. And again, I don't say that to brag. I'm just saying I have so much compassion for someone who's struggling because I have never forgotten, even though it's been 31 years. And granted, there's been struggles through that whole time frame. I know what it feels like to feel lost and hopeless. And so compassion is that one thing, I think, especially when we're down and out that can pull us out of that dark abyss. Totally. Totally.
0: Yeah. Isn't that interesting? I would agree with that, That which it's been a lot longer for you than it has been for me, maybe just because of my young age, but no matter right. how long it's been, um, I can talk about those feelings and they bring me to tears almost every time because sure. Sure. there's nothing like it. There's nothing like being to that dark place. And there's also nothing like recognizing that the sun still shines. Right. Those moments where you start to believe that alter your right. life trajectory
1: forever. Right. Absolutely.
0: You've written a couple, but I love the book, It's Time to Start Living, Understanding How Our Belief Systems Fuel Our Addictive Behavior. And there's a lot of things I loved from it. I love your analogy of the bumblebee.
1: Yeah, well, the, the saying goes, the bumblebee's wings are too small for it to fly, but the bumblebee doesn't know that, so it flies. And that just, at the essence of it, that's what belief systems are. Beliefs either hold us back or they set us free, Right. And so if you look at that analogy about the bumblebee, and really they've done studies on it, and they, a lot of the you know, people who study bumblebees, I don't even know what you call them, scientists, I guess, um, have come back and said, we're not quite sure how these little wings fly this big body, and it must just believe it can fly. And so to me, belief dictates behavior 100% of the time, even when we don't realize it. Even subconsciously, we have these beliefs that uh, hold us back and that kind of thing. And so I'm really passionate about belief systems because, with my clients, you know, like if I'm meeting with a heroin addict, I don't need to tell this heroin addict to stop doing heroin. They already know that. Let's figure out what's the belief that fuels this behavior. Let's get to that point. And it usually ends up being these three things I'm not good enough, which everyone can relate with this on some level. Number two is I'm different, so I can't connect. And then number three is my problems are so big and so deep that it's impossible to change. So why even try, right? Mm -hmm. And then I always like to add a fourth one where ultimately I just think something's wrong with me. That story we tell ourselves creates this belief system. It creates our world. And so the most powerful force in the human psyche is the story we tell ourselves about ourselves. You know, Julie, you're so passionate about compassion, which I love we need to be compassionate with ourselves. Yes, we want to show compassion to everyone else, which is very, very important. But I think a lot of times we need to show compassion to ourselves. And the best way to do that is to start telling ourselves a different story, quit beating ourselves up and telling ourselves we're not good enough, you know, and we're different. So no one will ever understand me and so on and so forth. So again, I'm really passionate about belief systems.
0: Well, in self-compassion, as you and I both know, you cannot be truly compassionate towards other people with 100% integrity if you're not doing it for yourself. If you're not practicing what you preach when no one's looking inside right. your room, right? And I, right. I've learned that. Yeah. That when I started adopting self-compassion, all of a sudden I was so much nicer to everyone else too because I really yeah. believed it for me. I yeah. really believed it for them. But when That's I true. am really hard on myself inside... I am naturally not as compassionate with other people. Isn't that interesting? Mm -hmm. If you really love the people around you, you take care of your own crap first, right? So that you can do that for them and be completely honest in it. Because if you don't believe it for yourself, then there's no way you 100% believe that for someone else.
1: Yeah, it's a good point. There's no way around that. For sure. Yeah.
0: Having interacted with many people who have suffered many different addictions, I find it very interesting that you make a point in your book. And as we've talked that you don't consider yourself in recovery. Now you say you are recovered. Right. And you talked about how some people even see that as being like a little bit uh, prideful or cocky or whatever, (laughs) but um, I don't, that's, that's not the feeling I get from you. I like to think I'm a pretty good judge of character. You don't really come off to me like that. Will you tell me, Why do you say you're recovered? How do you justify that?
1: Well, thank you for a great question. And I'm glad I don't come across that way. The last thing I want to do is be prideful because I know that will destroy me. Yep. I don't say it as a a cocky or an arrogant or even overconfident, but think about it just for a minute. I was born, right? And then I had my first sip of alcohol when I was 11. Now, I didn't really get involved in drugs and alcohol until I was 13. So there's those 13 years, let's say, right? Why can't I define myself by those 13 years instead of the next 10 years? See, the next 10 years, I was a drug addict and an alcoholic, but now I've been clean for 31 years. See, if I constantly say I'm in recovery, I'm constantly in that kind of mindset. The reason why I say I'm recovered is because I'm telling myself, this isn't for, you know, I'm not shouting it from the rooftop, say everybody, I'm recovered. It's more about I'm telling my own subconscious self-image that I am recovered, meaning I am done. I'm no longer white knuckling it. Now, see, we were talking about this, like you said, I know I'm not going to go hang out with all my buddies tonight who drink and do drugs. I'm smart enough to know not to put myself around that stuff. I think it's okay. I think we're all afraid. Like, So I'm going to be in recovery the rest of my life. That can feel daunting. That could actually be very depressing at the same time. This gigantic, I'm always going to be in recovery. No, you weren't born a drug addict. So why can't we go back to that mindset when we were children? And I'm telling you, Julie, we had it figured out when we were kids we knew who we were. We loved who we were. We loved everybody. We had faith as big as the universe. But yet, heaven forbid, we go back to that mindset. But no, let's just call ourselves, I'm a broken, damaged, diseased individual because of this. It's more about telling yourself the truth. It's okay to tell yourself the truth. It's not arrogant. It's not cocky. It's just the fact. You can be recovered, meaning it's game over. I'm done.
0: Do you feel like there is value or there's there's a place in your life where it is good to say, I am in recovery right now?
1: Absolutely. That's like a great when question. You're, when
0: you're first going through those 11 steps, you know, those 12 steps, you're going to those meetings multiple yeah. times a week. Do you feel like there's power and purpose in saying, I am in recovery right now?
1: Yeah. I mean, we got to be honest with ourselves too. Like when I was first getting clean, I had the desire to keep getting wasted. So yeah, I was in recovery, man. I, I had that tug of war in my head where, I keep saying I want to be done, but I keep going out and using. I mean, I was in relapse mode for a year and a half. Right. And so was I in recovery then? Absolutely. I, I I still had to figure this out, but it was the moment when I knew I was done, I knew it was over. That's when I knew I was recovered. That's when I knew now I'm gonna go give back and I'm truly gonna make a difference in people's lives and share this powerful message because eventually that's where I hope all my clients will get to. Is that kind of mindset again, not trying to be arrogant or cocky, right? But I have no problem with anyone who's confident in what they're doing. As long as they're putting in the work, I was putting in the work. I mean, I was working my tail off in the beginning. Yeah, I get it. You're in recovery. I totally understand that. And I don't, I don't balk if anyone says it.
0: Yeah. People should not compare their stories to yours because everybody's story is so different. Mm -hmm. Path is so different. Biology is different. All of it. How long did it take for you to say I'm recovered from when you started the process? Year and a half. Year
1: and a half. And that's a long time. It's a long time when you're used to a 30 day program or a 60 day program or 90 days. A year and a half sounds like a long, long time, but in reality, it really isn't. Yeah, I was drinking and doing drugs for almost 10 years, and when I was getting clean, it was before there was a rehab on every street corner, mm-hmm. like there is today. There, there really were no rehabs other than I think DaySpring was one of them. We didn't know much about it and, and that kind of thing, and so. My parents did the best that they could. They tried to send me to a therapist and all this stuff. Right. And it was because of my mentor. My mentor, Julie, is the one guy that said, I believe in you. He had compassion for me. He loved me. He was kind to me and honestly saved my life. He was my rehab without a doubt.
0: I have a few of those too. Yeah. Right now with COVID, we see the damage that this year has had on people's mental health and well-being. Yeah, and I'm true. sure in the addiction world, I cannot even imagine. I think I've been drinking a little too much soda, right? Trying to cope. Um, <laughs> I can't sure. imagine. I can't imagine what people are going through. So much yeah. of what you've talked about with addiction relates to me with anxiety and depression Absolutely. and suicidal thoughts, like suicidal sure. thoughts. I was thinking about that as you were saying, I'm <laughs> going on a tangent for just a second, but as you were talking about how you know you're done, I, to this day, have such a hard time saying out loud, I will never commit suicide. And it's not because I think I will. It's because I do have this mindset of one day at a time. It's not that I think, and it's not that I feel tempted. It's not that sure. I want to, none of those things, but it's scary to say out loud yeah. for some reason. It feels like it's going to be pressure of like, oh no, it's going to happen if I say it.
1: Yeah. And I, and I totally understand what you're saying, Julie. And, and one of the things that can be helpful in that is, you know what? I'm grateful to be alive today. I'm focusing on today. It's okay for me to go, I'll never drink again. When I say that, okay, that's a big thing to say, right? Yeah. But then I'm going to go, I can say that, but at the same time, I'm going to go, but right now, my focus is on today. I am going to be clean today. I'm going to love living today. I'm going to connect today. and perfect. Yeah. So that's, but I totally, I think Julie, what you said, a lot of people do wrestle with that. Like, man, it seems it's such this big commitment, right? You know, it might feel overwhelming again. It's okay to say it, but then go, but all I have is this moment. So what am I going to do right now? And then what is my day going to look like kind of thing? So, you know, we're never more fully alive than when we're connected. Mm -hmm. You know, in my world, we say connections, the opposite of addiction. Yep. One of the best things that families can do to feel connected, and I say this, and I'm going to be very specific, write a gratitude letter to someone every day and put it in the mail. Don't send a text. I mean, if you want to call someone beautiful, but I'm telling you, there's something about writing a letter to someone. I had the opportunity uh, to be on a talk show a little while ago, and it was all on this topic. And it was like, imagine julie if you wrote your husband a letter right now dropped it in the mail and he gets a letter from you to your house it will blow his freaking mind <laughs> and the connection you'll feel he'll be blown away be like, i gotta do it is-
0: before we post this podcast now i know <laughs> so he'll think it's my idea
1: <laughs> yeah but it's like it's like those kind of things and you look at your kids you could say kids I want you to write down 20 people who've made an impact in your life. If it's mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, brother, sister, fine. Cousin teacher. And then what you do is, okay, today you're going to write your gratitude letter to grandpa, or today you're going to write your gratitude letter to your second grade teacher. I'm telling you what, it's a beautiful way to connect and you're teaching your kids a very powerful lesson as they move forward in life. It's not about being creative because it's COVID does kind of keep us a little more secluded, obviously. Yeah. Let's reach out of ourselves. I mean, Why do we have to always make it about us? Let's try to make it about someone else today. And boy, the feeling, that connection. I really believe this, Julie, that if I connect with you, I do something nice for you. You're going to feel good because I did something nice for you. I'm going to feel good because I did something nice, right? Mm -hmm. I really believe that's when we both connect with love. And a, a really simple way is I believe that my higher power, God, is love. So when I do that, I feel love. Or in other words, I'm connecting with with my higher power. So I'll tell you that, that simple thing families could do. It would be amazing.
0: That would be amazing. The idea that you're connecting with love, which is your higher power makes so much sense. Why we feel so good yep. when we serve other people. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's like, we think it's this like linear connection, but maybe it's a little more triangular. You know what I mean? It's like,
1: it's triangular. I mean, seriously, where I got this idea, I was reading the book, the purpose driven life by Rick Warren. It's the best-selling book in history. In there, he has a line that says, God doesn't have love. God is love. And I thought, you know, sometimes you read something and it just hits you. I read that. I'm like, Mike, there it is. It's that simple. If you're love, Julie, and I'm love, how do we connect with love? We give it away. I do something nice to someone. I do, I send a letter in the mail to my husband or to my wife, right? And they get this in the mail and they're going to be blown away, like, wow, why did you, why didn't you just hand it to me? But I tell you, there's something like, oh, so cool. You mailed it. I don't know. It's, it's amazing, but that's you connecting with love. And the more we can connect with love, just like you talk about, love is the byproduct of feeling, you know, compassion and connecting. I mean, it really is. And so it really lines up with exactly what you're what you're teaching, Julie, and, and what you're trying to do with your listeners and, and your clients.
0: Amen and amen. In my sphere, I'm aware of a lot of people that struggle with pornography addiction specifically. Yeah. I know you work with a ton of people struggling just because that's a big, that's a big,
1: that's a big one, right? Uh,
0: sure. And I've had a couple of people on about it and specifically my own brother and his wife, we did a three-part pornography addiction series back. I want to say it's episodes 31, 32, and 33 if listeners go oh, cool. back to that, which was awesome. Sure. These ideas get thrown out of like, can you ever overcome pornography really? Can you ever really be done with pornography? Is pornography different than drugs that way? And I actually happened to listen to a really interesting podcast this morning about it, listening to someone that is a kind of an expert on the field of addiction, has a PhD and stuff. And he talked a little bit to this. But before I say what he said, I want to hear what you say.
1: My answer to that question is absolutely 100% yes. You can overcome it and move on and be recovered from it. How do I know that? How can I say that with such conviction? 31 years of experience. I have met with thousands of people who have been my clients who have been addicted to pornography. And I'll tell you what, what happens is, is the world has created this belief system that pornography is this crazy, scary bad disease, which I get because don't get involved in it because it is, it's, it's very alluring and it can keep you stuck for years and years and years. That belief, once, once someone gets caught in it, that's their belief. It's like, well, I'm stuck. And the odds of me overcoming it are slim to none, even if you believe that on a subconscious level. And so what I do is I help them tap in and change that belief around. No, you weren't born a porn addict. Again, I'm not trying to downplay any science and anything that's been studied on it and all that stuff, but I'll tell you, I'm going by what I see in my clients. And I'm not kidding you. I could give you a hundred clients right now that will tell you, yeah, I've been clean from it for years. I've moved on Mm -hmm. all by changing the way my belief system looks at it. Uh, That's a long way to answer your question, but yes, I believe you 100% can. I have just seen it too many times.
0: That's your story and you're sticking to it. Yep. That's what the PhD said too. That's what they said. Good. They said, absolutely. Absolutely. But I would trust you over the PhD just cause I like you. So. <laughs> <Thanks>. <laughs> okay. So if someone's feeling hopeless right now, yeah. maybe they're not feeling seen. Maybe people aren't reaching out to them. Maybe they're in the middle of addiction, whatever it is. Maybe they're depressed. Like I was, you know, super anxious, depressed. Yeah. Like you were suicidal. Both sure. these things we know. What would be your last message to them? <laughs> right now on January 4th, 2021, new year after COVID, what would you say to them?
1: Well, the first thing is I love you. I know I don't know you, but I know what it feels like to be hopeless. And so I love you for whatever that's worth. And I'm going to say one more thing. It's the most powerful sentence you could tell anybody. And it's this, I believe in you. My mentor, when I was in my dark spot, he was the one person that believed in me it felt like i'm sure there was others but it, at the time that's what it felt like i didn't even believe in myself but i had this guy believing in me and it was something so profound about hearing that i believe in you now if you're hearing this and you're struggling i would ask you to reach out to someone and talk to them talk to julie reach out to julie Um, reach out to me, reach out to someone you care about. See, I think a lot of times we get so scared to tell someone we're struggling. I'm sorry, but that's what we have to do. It's okay to struggle. It doesn't mean you're a bad person. It doesn't mean that something's wrong ultimately with you. It just means you're, you're going through life. And right now, life has been very difficult for you. So I would challenge you to literally connect like we just were talking about. Call and tell someone you're struggling. I promise you they'll drop everything and they'll listen to you. You know, you are loved, you are cared about, and you do matter. As Gay and will always say, you know, you matter and that we need you. We're not going to be better off without you. We need you. You're part of an equation. You know, we're all part of this equation and we're here to connect, reach out and connect with someone, especially if you have shut off the world, so to speak, because hopefully, you know, I'm talking to someone who's maybe stuck in their room and they haven't talked to anyone. The only way we're going to find you or know about you, you got to reach out. Yep and I'll help you. And I know Julie will. And I know there's lots of people that will. And if we can't help you, Julie and I will direct you to someone that can at least get that ball rolling. But I can just say, I believe in you and I love you.
0: Thank you for that. You know, it's hard to admit when we're struggling. I would hope that at least this can be an example to you. And I would like to reiterate that I have struggled very, very hard in the past. I have had those suicidal thoughts in my brain constantly. And I know that you have, you've struggled with some of those, some more things too. I've had very shameful thoughts. I've had really, really needed other people to take over my life for a little bit, to take my hands off the wheel and let other people drive for a little bit because I felt so out of control. I am so proud of that girl. And I would think that you are very proud of that boy that reached out and tried another day. I honor her and I honor the girl on the bathroom floor and with her face on the dirty tile that just decided to stay a little bit longer. And yeah. so if that's you right now, I just want to echo all the beautiful things Todd just said and just tell you that I am proud of you for, you know, clicking play on a podcast right now and for going on a little bit longer. Yes, reach out to someone. I know that you will find someone. I and mean, if for some reason they are not the person for you, click the phone off and reach out to the next person and do it until you find someone that can hear you and that can see you. Because you and I, Todd, we both, we believe that God is love. And he okay. will bring that love to you if you reach out. If you want that, it's there. It's all 100%. there waiting for you. Yep. Todd, thank you for being on the podcast today and just being yeah. a fabulous role model in my life. I appreciate everything you do.
1: Thank you. Thanks for having me, Julie. And truly an honor to be on today with you. And again, I love what you're doing and I'm grateful to be a part of it.
0: Gosh, isn't he awesome? I am so grateful for the friendship that Todd and I have created and I'm so inspired to by his work and can't wait to collaborate in the future with this amazing force for good. I'll make sure to leave his website in the notes so you can kind of see more about what he's doing. Thank you again to Sturry for sponsoring this episode. You guys, if you need to feel uplifted, especially right now, go watch some of their short videos on their website. You will feel better afterwards. You'll want to be a better person, you'll be inspired. Go look at their website at Sturry.com. You will not regret it. I can say that honestly with my full heart. You will not regret going to Sturry.com and seeing what they're doing. They are bringing hope to so many people. Just a quick reminder, if you do want to pick up my book, I See You, How Compassion and connection Save Lives, you can find it on my website, julieleespeaks.com, on Amazon, on cedarfort.com. All of those links, find them all on my website, julieleespeaks.com. Well, this has been episode 96, which we're closing up here. And I have just a few left until the end of season two. The finale of season two will be episode 100. So the pressure's on to have some pretty killer conversations for these last few episodes. My friends, thank you for being here, for coming back every time. It means so much to me that you would care what I have to say. (laughs) My name is Julie Lee and I see you.